Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, here we are, Friday, July 1st. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and welcome to The Inner Life here today. Coming up this Monday, we'll be celebrating America's independence. How are you going to celebrate? Are you going to get together with family or friends? Maybe grill some burgers and hot dogs? Will you go out and watch a 4th of July parade or go to see the fireworks show um, out in your community? Or maybe if it's legal where you live, are you going to be setting off your own fireworks? For my wife, Belen, this, the 4th of July, coming up this Monday, it's her favorite holiday. <clears throat> she loves the summer, the, the picnic-type atmosphere with the foods that you have for Independence Day, but she especially loves those fireworks. So with it being Baylen's favorite holiday, our family has had some pretty big 4th of July celebrations that we've done in the past. And yeah, we've gone and we've watched the city fireworks depending on where we lived in past years. But we also did big celebrations on our own too. Um, for a number of years, along with our next door neighbors, we would host a big block party for the 4th of July. And the house where we had those block parties, we don't live there any longer, but it was this great street. Uh, there weren't trees that were covering up overhead. You know, there, there was plenty of uh, area to shoot off fireworks. We'd block off the road and invite neighbors from all around. And since I played in a band, my band, we'd set up our PA, all of our equipment, and we'd play music for an hour or two leading up to dusk. And then we'd pack up all the music gear and start setting off fireworks. And while my band... And I, you know, we provided the music. My neighbor, his name was Ross. Ross would go big on getting lots of fireworks. I don't know how many hundreds of dollars he would spend every year, but it was a lot. He'd put on a, a big show. And we did this for several years. It became this kind of fun annual event in our neighborhood. We'd have people ask us even a month or two ahead if we were planning to do it again. They were going to invite family to come visit for the 4th of July. A lot of people would just come on over for the evening, bring a lawn chair, bring a cooler, something to drink, and they'd just enjoy the atmosphere, be able to hang out there for two, three, four hours. The last couple of years that we did it, I think we were reaching close to about three, maybe 400 people in our neighborhood who would come over and celebrate the 4th of July there at this block party that we'd put on. And one of my favorite memories is from one of the last years. I don't know if it was the very last year or the year before, but my band, we just finished playing. We just played the last song that we were going to play. We were starting to pack up, but the PA, it was still out, still on. And so my wife, Baylen, brought up a number of the neighborhood kids who all crowded around a microphone, and together 
they led all of the neighbors in singing the national anthem. Now, was it sung perfectly like you might hear when you go to some sort of sporting event? No. But you could feel in that moment this unity of national loyalty, this kind of shared patriotic identity. It didn't matter at that moment, as we all sang together the Star-Spangled Banner, didn't mo- matter who you voted for in the last election or what political party you supported. We were just all Americans, all Americans there together celebrating our independence, the freedoms that we enjoy because of brave men and women who have served and continue to serve our country. Now, when we talk about freedom in our contemporary culture, when especially if we get away from sort of, some sort of patriotic aspect, we hear this concept of freedom kind of put forth as being able to do what you want whenever you want. Anything you want, whenever you want. No boundaries, no restrictions. But that's really a false notion of the understanding of true freedom. I mean, if you ask somebody who has overcome an addiction, they'll tell you that freedom from that addiction requires certain boundaries, certain rules. If you don't have those rules or those boundaries, the illusion of freedom can quickly descend into ruin or into chaos. But if we have a good understanding of how things are structured and the purpose of those rules, the purpose of those boundaries, this can actually give us far more freedom than if we approach any aspect of life without understanding and appreciating those boundaries or those restrictions. And today on The Inner Life, as we look ahead to the 4th of July, coming up this Monday, celebrating our country's independence and our our freedoms here in the U.S., we also want to look at our own personal freedoms and the religious freedoms that we enjoy here in our country. We want to have a better understanding of some of those rules, that structure that can allow us to truly experience freedom in the fullest sense. And joining us is our spiritual director here on this edition of The Inner Life. Father Dave Heaney is back with us once again. Father Dave is a regular voice here on The Inner Life. You've heard him many times before. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles and the pastor of St. Bruno's Catholic Church in Whittier, California. And you can also uh, pick up his latest book. It's called Luke 10 Leadership, How to Succeed in Parish Ministry. That's available from Ave Maria Press. Father Dave, so glad to have you here with us today. Glad to be back with you again, Josh, and welcome to everyone to the program. Well, so I started thinking this morning, knowing we're going to talk about kind of three different areas of freedom. We're going to talk about civic freedom, religious freedom, and then personal freedom. And the more I started thinking about it, and I could easily be wrong on this, but so please correct me if I am, Father, (laughs) but it seems to me that one flows to the next. And what I mean is, it has to start with personal freedom. You know, this is what allows us to make choices right. and ultimately allows us to freely decide if we're going to follow God or if we're going to disregard God, walk, walk away from him. But without that personal freedom, doesn't matter if you have religious freedom or any other freedom. So religious freedom can only exist after you have personal freedom to choose to serve and follow God. But then similarly, that religious freedom then informs how the each individual will look at the world around them and you know all these different kind of concepts that we have for social norms or social laws 
they've been largely fashioned and informed by people who have exercised religious freedom, you know, bringing it into the conversation uh, in the public square. So uh, back to my kind of original thought, it seems personal freedom is necessary before religious freedom, and that at least to a degree then religious freedom is necessary before that civic freedom. It, it, does that follow, or it, it, am, I, am I off track there, Father? <laughs> no, I think it's a good distinction of those three areas of civic, religious, and personal. I would say that personal and religious occur at the same time at our creation, that God creates us personally and religiously free. And then we hope, and we hope that we can establish a system of government in which the civic uh, sphere uh, enshrines that or guarantees it or, safe, or safeguards it. But our, our religious freedom really is part of our human dignity. It's part of our human creation. It's the way God designed us. So our personal freedom and our religious freedom, to me, are two sides of the same coin, or at least they start at the same moment. They really start as our creation, as creators, creatures of God. And for better or for worse, God created us free. You are free to eat of any tree in the garden, he says to Adam and Eve. Um, and that means that com coming with that is also responsibility. They had to take responsibility for the decisions that they made. So our personal and religious freedom occur at the moment of conception. Um, and then, of course, it's, it's a constant battle and constant vigilance to make sure that the government that we design, government of the people, will safeguard our personal and religious freedom that are, that are granted by God. Mm. I, I like that, the two sides of the same coin, because we are made by God and we're made for relationship with God. So, yeah, yeah. that idea of personal freedom can't be disconnected or divorced from the idea of our religious freedoms. Um, right. I, I mentioned how in our contemporary culture we have this idea, this concept uh, you know, freedom means unlimited bounds on anything I want to do. Uh, you know, that, that's kind of the big misconception I see out there. Are, are there any other misconceptions that you've seen in our culture about what f personal freedom is? Um, not, not what it truly is, but just what people want to try and say that it is? Yeah, I would say, uh, I would add one more, but I would say what you just mentioned is by far and away the most common misconception that is just rampant, the idea that freedom means no boundaries, no rules, I can do whatever I want, uh, it's just unbounded behavior. I think the other concept of freedom is I like it when I am free and I, and, and I, um, I object to your being free because I don't want you to do what you're doing. Uh, so, you know, the cancel culture which is happening so much in the, in the country today or really sometimes sure. even in the world. So uh, it's kind of a, you know, what's good for me is not good for you. Um, so I think that's, that's something that's relatively new. I think it's kind of creeping in, this idea of, you know, I like my freedom, but I'm going to restrict yours because I don't like the behavior or I don't like the ideals or I don't like the religion that you have. So I'm going to limit your freedom. And I think that's an unfortunate thing that's happening today. Yeah, I, I would say even more than unfortunate, it's kind of a scary yeah. uh, path that we're walking down here because um, for so many people who I think, this is my perception, I could be wrong on this because, you know, of course, individuals have different thoughts, but it seems by and large a lot of what happens in that cancel culture is 
we should all have the freedom to be who we want to be unless what you say or what you do offends me. Right. And then at that point, I have the freedom to strip you of your dignity. And even though I might say that murder is wrong, I am essentially, <laughs> at that point, I'm kind of robbing you of certain abilities that you might have to live your life you know especially if it if it comes on a large scale if somebody loses their ability to work their livelihood if their family is destroyed uh you know at that point you really are kind of saying yeah you're not worthy of living a life I might not outright physically kill you, I might not right. murder you, but I'm murdering your reputation to the point that you cannot live yeah. the way others can live. And that's a dramatic, those are dramatic examples, uh, but it can have, but it can be very pernicious on a smaller scale. You know, we talk about universities as a place of the free exchange of ideas, and that's how students learn. But the cancel culture says, now that free exchange of ideas still has rules, you know, like you were saying in the beginning. There's rules about conversation. You know, we don't name call, we don't insult, uh, you know, we don't denigrate someone's reputation. Uh, but now cancel culture is, those rules are gone and I can say anything I want about you. So rather, rather than even engage in the argument, I just trash your name, I call you stupid things. Uh, and, uh, and so just all of these misunderstandings are really what freedom means and, what it, and really how it comes from God and how he understands it. Um, by not getting that understood very well and acting on it, it's really causing a lot of problems in society today. Well, so let's talk about um, living that life of freedom mm -hmm. and understanding some of those basic rules, those, those sure. uh, you know, the structure that should be there. Um, what, what are some of those rules that we should consider? Um, I know we can obviously look to Scripture. Are there any that we, we would look at from a natural law standpoint that might kind of be obvious to everyone if they simply take the time to kind of consider and think about it? You know, the basic rule of Catholic morality is we can never do anything that harms the natural dignity of another person. Uh, and so some of that includes their name, their reputation, their sensitivity. So, you know, we cannot just trash uh, another person, no matter what their beliefs are, or uh, cause them harm. We never wish anyone harm. We can protect ourselves from harm, but we don't want to inflict it on someone else simply because they have a different idea. Um, this idea of rules, uh, maybe just to back up and just say, we actually live by them all the all the time, and we, our, sure. our life really wouldn't be successful at all if we didn't actually practice the idea of, of uh, we naturally have a good sense of rules and freedom and you know the kind of the classic example is uh, in sports you know I like to play golf if I walk up to the tee and I say I'm just going to swing any way that I want <laughs> you know I'm going to freely choose my own type of swing well I mean the laws of physics and biomechanics means if you if you don't swing a certain specific way that ball's not going to go anywhere and it's not, certainly not going to go straight. So golfers know that they have to kind of obey the natural rules of physics and biomechanics or else that ball is, or else you're not going to be able to have a, a great time, a fun time playing. You know, a personal example for myself, I remember, is uh, here in Los Angeles, down by the Los Angeles Harbor, we have this a very high bridge that goes over the water from one part of the harbor to another. It's called the Vincent Thomas Bridge. 
I used to go over that bridge all the time when I lived down there. It's a high bridge, it's two lanes, and I used to always drive in the lane closest to the edge. And it's a 60 mile an hour bridge. And I used to think that if those side rails ever disappeared, every single car on that bridge would instantly slow down and move to the center. Now the bridge road hasn't decreased in size, it's still the same size, but without those side rails, everyone goes to the center and slows down. The side rails, the rules of life, enable our speed to increase, enable us, enable us to drive safely and to, and to go fast. So the rules of life help us to play golf, help us on the road, um, you know, playing music. If, if you don't know how to play the instrument, if you, if you have to obey the rules of how you play the instrument, suddenly you can find yourself playing any song that you want. But only first by obeying the kind of the discipline of, you know, the side rail on a bridge, the rules of golf, and, the, and, the, and how to play an instrument. Kind of obeying all of those guidelines enables the expansion of our life, enables us to enjoy life even more and to have more options. We are f- more free when we follow those uh, guidelines and rules. So well, I just think that's uh, yeah, a really the music. important point. The music one is the one that I identify with, uh, you know, just having played music for uh, uh, years and years. And that's the one where I look at, if I didn't understand chord structure, if I didn't understand the various scales, you know, the Dorian, the Ionian, you know, different things like that, if I didn't understand that, especially when it comes to a point where you have maybe freedom when you're playing with a group, you have freedom to go ahead and improvise on the spot, which is true freedom in music. But if that freedom doesn't have the structure and the understanding of the notes that will sound good with what everybody else is playing, it just sounds cacophonous. It does become this chaotic noise rather than an enjoyable and maybe even impressive moment of music that happens spontaneously. So that freedom really is important to have the the undergirding of the knowledge and the structure that goes there before it. Father Dave, uh, let me throw out the phone number here. Uh, call into the studio. You're welcome to join us as I'm talking with Father Dave Heaney here on The Inner Life. And the phone number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Talking about freedom, uh, not just looking ahead to the freedoms we enjoy in our country, civic freedoms, but also our personal freedoms, the religious freedoms that we have. And uh, what has helped you to have that better understanding of how you can enjoy being free, especially living a life in the church, in Christ? How have you been able to grow in your faith, to be fully free from sin, to live your life for Christ? Or maybe how are you going to incorporate your faith into your celebration of our country's independence this week, um, this weekend, this upcoming Monday? 888-914-9149 or email us at innerlife at relevantradio.com. So, Father, as you're talking about the rules, the structure there, um, you know, when, when it comes to our faith, does it just go back to those two greatest commandments? Should those be kind of front and center if I put God... You know, if I love God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind, if I love my neighbor as myself, that almost seems to be a paradox in a way, you know, because only when I think about others, when it's God and others, and I put myself last or I kind of forget about myself when I'm putting them first, only then am I going to experience the greatest kind of 
personal freedom that I can encounter in this life? Well, you know, love is the is the centerpiece of every one of those statements. You know, loving God, loving others, and loving self. I think a fair way of reading that famous passage, you know, the greatest commandment, is that God puts all three loves really on the same plane. That they we really can't say one is has a priority over the other, because the second commandment is just like the first commandment. That means something. So I think if we disengage loving of God, loving of self, loving of others, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. We're going to get it out of whack. We're not going to get it in the right, uh, you know, right balance. You know, other places he says, you know, if you're coming to the altar and you have a disagreement with your brother, go first to your brother before you come to the altar. Those mm-hmm. who say they love God but not others are, you know, not saying the truth. I think it's just, I think we'll, ha- we'll, we'll have a better balance if we just see them all as three sides of the same coin, if you will, to love God, to love others, and to love ourself. Um, you know, and maybe to look at where, what part of that do we need to, you know, kind of pump up? Uh, or do, we, do we not love ourselves? Do we kind of put ourselves down or always denigrate ourselves or never think about ourselves or lose ourselves, you know, in the relationship with someone else in a codependent way? Uh, how do we treat other people, just our friends? You know, do we love our enemies? Do we wish them no harm in our relationship with God? I think, I think it's, we're probably going to make a better balance if we just see them all as important and not to assign one as more important than the other, but keep them all front and center in our life. And it's just kind of a nice way to measure ourselves at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. How did I love God, love others, and myself this day? Making sure we kind of address all three issues, I think, will lead to a more balanced uh, and, and better life. Mm. Well, let's pick up on um, that balance. Mm-hmm. And uh, also want to talk with you about a section of the Catechism that talks about freedom, but also talks about slavery connected yeah. with freedom, slavery of sin. Uh, let's talk about that in a moment, Father. Uh, we need to take a short break okay. here with Father Dave Heaney on The Inner Life, but you're welcome to call in and join the conversation, 888-914-9149, as we're talking about freedom, uh, what it means for us to truly be free personally in our, our relationship with Christ, the religious freedom that we have that's inherent to us just being children of God. Uh, also, the civic freedoms that we have here in our country as we look ahead to the 4th of July. And you're welcome to call in. Maybe you have a question about one of those freedoms. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. More to come in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive hundreds of your phone calls every day, all thanks to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line. Our sponsor offers flexible life insurance and annuities. Visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester today, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states.
I was in school, we used to sing it something like this. Listen here. Ray Charles, of course. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and I'm joined by Father Dave Heaney, a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. He's the pastor of St. Bruno's Catholic Church in Whittier, California, talking today about freedom, uh, how we can experience that interior freedom, the freedoms that we have as humans, just uh, by dignity of being created in the image and likeness of God and how those inform uh, the rest of our outlook on the world, how that helps us to apply what we have as sons and daughters of God into the civic area, into the public square. And we're also inviting you to call in. Maybe there's been a time where you have uh, felt like your freedom was uh, taken away or maybe restricted, and how were you able to move past that? What was something that helped you on that journey? Uh, what has helped you to have a better understanding of how you can grow in your relationship with Christ, really be fully free in Christ? And how are you going to incorporate your faith into celebrating the 4th of July coming up this Monday? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, uh, so I mentioned right before the break that we wanted to talk about the slavery of sin. And this is, um, I'm referencing a paragraph from the Catechism of the Catholic Church where it talks about freedom related to doing good, kind of what we've been talking about in the last um, the last segment of the program. And it's paragraph 1733. It states, The more one does what is good, the freer one becomes. There is no true freedom except in the service of what is good and just. The choice to disobey and do evil is an abuse of freedom that leads to the slavery of sin. Uh, the abuse of freedom, that's something that we <laughs> really don't talk about. You and I were talking about how we need the rules and the structure, mm-hmm. but that idea of can we abuse freedom, and then that leads to the slavery of sin. Can you kind of help us understand this idea? Yeah, slavery of sin is a graphic term. It's a disturbing term, but I have to say it's very accurate. So I'm glad the catechism uh, in, uh you know church tradition have often used it. If you think about a slave and a master, when the master says something, the slave, the slave cannot argue. It has to automatically obey with no thinking whatsoever, just automatically obey. That's really what kind of bad habits are or addictions. You know, if you walk by the refrigerator in your kitchen and you cannot go by the refrigerator without going inside and getting something, some sweet to eat, then the refrigerator is in charge. The refrigerator is like the master in your life, and you're the slave. That happens when we develop bad habits. You know, swearing, laziness, bad temper, gluttony, certainly alcoholism, losing our temper. Uh, These are things that just become habits, and we automatically do them without thinking. So we've lost our sense of choice. We've lost our freedom. The, The, you know, the food is in charge. The alcohol is in charge. Uh, Laziness is in charge. And so those are, those are things that just lead to a very, very sad life. The more that we are in charge and can freely choose, especially to choose something good, then we're exercising that muscle of goodwill. 
and it becomes stronger and stronger and stronger and able to resist the refrigerator, able to resist uh, temptation because we have a, a long-term practice of freely and consciously making a choice. We're not automatically going to the refrigerator, but we are automatically, I mean, we are uh, with great self-strength making our own decision. That's what Jesus did in the, in the desert. When the, temp, when the devil was tempting him, Jesus, uh, you know, had that self-possession and he was freely able to resist those temptations. And that's the goal for all of us. Uh, the more that we choose good, the stronger we become, the less we do and fall into these bad habits, then everything else becomes in charge of our life. And who wants that? Yeah. Well, what you're talking about, choose good means we have to put forth effort. <laughs> and that seems yeah. like a very common theme uh, that I've heard brought up again and again here during this program of The Inner Life Father. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take some work. If you want to be lazy, well, yeah, you can keep on giving in to the temptation every time you walk past the fridge. But if you want to be able to resist that, if you want to be able to say, nope, I'm not going to be the slave of mm -hmm. the fridge or the food that's contained in the fridge, I'm going to have to put some effort there. And it could be that it's not just simply that it's a mental effort. It might be that, okay, rather than do your normal routine where it's easy to walk past the fridge, do you need to get out of the house for a little bit? Do you need to go for a walk? Do you need to go to the park? Do you need to do something else that kind of takes you out of that regular atmosphere that helps you develop those good habits, make those good choices, um, so that you don't find yourself in that slavery? There actually is a trick that you can use. Well, I mean, we're just kind of taking advantage of the way God designed us. And God designed us in such a way that when we plan ahead, when we anticipate issues, we plan ahead, we're more likely to make a better choice. If you're on this holiday season, uh, weekend, if you're going to some person's uh, July 4th party and you know there's someone there that always pushes your button and that every time they speak, you automatically react in anger. Well, thinking about it now is important. Think about the fact that when you, you're going to go to this house, you're going to see that person. Anticipate now what might happen and plan your reaction now when you're calm and cool and collected rather than trying to think of something good to say uh, at that moment. If you know that uh, you have a weakness for alcohol and you're going to a party, plan now how you will respond. You know, you're going to limit yourself to one drink or no drinks. If you, have a, uh, if you know that you have a weakness for snack foods at a July 4th party, plan now how you'll respond so that when you're there, those snacks won't be in charge of your life. You will have already planned your, your behavior. You've designed your response. And when you do it, God designed us also in such a way that when we make these kind of decisions, we naturally feel a sense of accomplishment. We haven't given in. We have a sense of being in command of our life more than before. And God designed us in such a way that we just feel wonderful when that happens. We feel a great yeah. sense of self-confidence and and the ability to, to face further, you know, uh, uh, challenges in the future. Right. Yeah. If, if I did it once, that mm -hmm. means I, I am capable of doing it again. Yeah, that's great yeah. practical advice, Father. Uh, let's go to the phones. We've got some uh, listeners who are calling in to talk with you. And again, 
Our guest here, our uh, spiritual director for the hour, Father Dave Heaney, is with us. As we're talking about freedom, how we can live our lives freely in Christ, and how that informs our lives as we then, uh, as citizens, look at this upcoming celebration of independence that we have here in our country, the 4th of July. Uh, Again, the phone number, 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Father Lisa is calling in from Maple Grove, Minnesota. Hi, Lisa. How have you experienced freedom in your life? Hi. Um, So even what I was going to call just even um, sort of became even more stuck as I was listening to the last couple minutes. Um, But for a long time in my life, um, and especially before God was a part of it and before Catholic faith in particular and spirituality was a part of it, Um, I struggled with a bunch of the things that Father was just talking about. Um, And I do think that, like, even that planning ahead is, uh, like, the beautiful way to try to do that. But then so many times um, I had failed at that. And my understanding now, as someone who doesn't fail it so much anymore, is that sin was begetting sin. And for me, that, like, I've jokingly called it, like, the shortcut, right, is the Lamb of God. The shortcut for me has been reconciliation um right to get rid of that like even that example about like maybe if I'm going to a party where I know someone like rubs me the wrong way maybe make sure that I'm like praying for forgiveness for any past anger that I have or taking that to reconciliation before I show up to that party or praying for you know the past situations where I've abused alcohol or abused food before I show up to that party so that my sin isn't begetting sin because ultimately for me I have like kind of we were saying, when I'm in the bonds of that sin, I have a little choice. Um, so the way out of that for me wasn't necessarily like more behavior change, more planning. I actually have a PhD in the psychology of behavior change, which just makes the whole thing even funnier since I couldn't change my behavior that way. Um, but for me, it's that like trying to like really be in that place of examination of conscience and um, whether that's bringing it directly to God or um, like in an actual like confessional, that's been actually the way that I've become like able to like live kind of more within the bounds of that bridge that we're talking about, but like without feeling like the walls are keeping me in, but feeling like when I get close, I have God and I can go to him and get mercy and just like be loved back into the middle of the bridge. Thank you, Lisa. Boy, you said an awful lot of great ideas there. And and, um, just thank you so much for sharing all of them uh, today. Uh, I liked what you said about a reconciliation, uh, you know, that sometimes you can make these plans and things don't work out well. Uh, but, you know, we have this beautiful tradition in our faith of, you know, kind of getting up, dusting ourselves off and starting over. And we are allowed to do that start over mechanism, you know, every every day of our life. And I've often thought about why does God make the forgiveness of sins so easy? If you think about it, all you have to do is say them in confession and be sorry for them, and God says they are gone. He make, you know, we don't treat each other that that easily so often when we hurt each other. We kind of hold a grudge and hold it over the person for some time. But God makes the forgiveness of sins so easy in confession. So, you know, we make the plan, we anticipate, we make the best effort to, uh, you know, handle ourselves well at the July 4th party. If it doesn't go well, you know, like you were saying, you know, you kind of self-reflect and self-examine and take a look at it again and, and start over. And, and you, you will get better and better and better at it as you go forward, and you will discover 
that wonderful feeling that God designed in us when we make these free, consciously chosen choices uh, for good and uh, we experience the happiness that he wants for us. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, great call. Great, great, uh, uh, you know, just insights there, Lisa. Really appreciate you joining the program. And uh, also want to, if you're listening, maybe you've had a similar experience to Lisa, or maybe you haven't. Maybe you find yourself struggling as you're trying to live out that freedom in your life, and you'd like some advice, some insight from Father Dave Heaney, our spiritual director here on the program today. You're welcome to call in at 888-914-9149, And uh, we'll be right back. Holly, you're up next. We'll take your call coming up here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters Studio Line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Feeling a little more patriotic with that music. John Philip Sousa there, Stars and Stripes Forever. Uh, Nick, uh, my producer, he was gathering some different music and uh, asked if we played John Philip Sousa. Was there any song that I particularly cared for? And I said, I, I really don't care as long as it's not the Monty Python theme. I love Monty Python, but uh, I... I, I can't listen to it without thinking of Monty Python and the silly animations. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond. Our spiritual director is Father Dave Heaney. And today, talking about freedom, how we live freedom out in our lives personally, our religious freedoms, and of course, the freedoms that we enjoy as citizens here in the U.S. And we're also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. And Father, Father, uh, Holly is calling in, listening in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Holly, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father Dave. Hi, Father Dave. Um, first of all, that march brought back memories as I played piccolo in high school, and we played that march. So uh, I played those piccolo parts many, many years ago. Good for you. Anyway, my question uh, revolves around when the law of the land uh, disagrees or contradicts the law of the church. How do we reconcile that? And I'll give you a for instance in my life. My daughter is transgender. I pray for her, but she has legally changed her name. Um, and some of my grandchildren have only known her by that name. Um, and they attend Catholic school, and the Green Bay Diocese has now come out with an edict that unless we use a person's birth name, we risk um, not being able to take part in our church programs, volunteer with the church. I couldn't be in St. Vincent de Paul or clean the church unless I dead name my daughter, which I would never do anything to hurt her. I love her unconditionally. So how do I reconcile what is now her legal name with the church saying I can't call her by that name? Well, that's a great question. Uh, a couple of things I would say is that uh, this issue of calling people by the name that they prefer 
is an issue of politeness and etiquette. It should never be an, uh, an issue of coercion or mandated. So if someone says, you know, for instance, my first name is Dave, I, I prefer Dave as opposed to David. Um, if somebody has a nickname that they prefer, you know, it's a matter of politeness and etiquette to call that person by the name, but it should never be a matter of law or coercion. In fact, the Constitution is very clear about it can prevent bad behavior, but it cannot um, create behavior. It can't tell you to do something. It can't make you say something. It can stop you from saying bad things, but it can't make you say things. So sometimes local city councils may pass these kind of transgender things, but they're, they're just not really lawful. So you should never feel coerced or mandated to call anyone anything. Uh, if you want to use the name that they prefer, you can, but you're not required to. Uh, just in general, I would always follow your local bishop. Um, just, you know, kind of across the board, I think that's in general, that's a good idea. But just in terms of Catholic morality, uh, which, which actually parallels U.S. law, um, you know, we can stop bad behavior, you know, robbing a bank, you know, calling someone, uh, you know, bad names. But, uh, neither the, but the U.S. law can never require you to say something. Uh, so I hope that helps. Generally, follow your bishop, follow your diocese. Uh, but the issue of transgender pronouns and names is always in the area of politeness and etiquette, never mandated, never feel coerced. And I think that's uh, this. I think that's the fairest way to go, Holly. Yeah, Holly, uh, difficult situation. Thanks for calling in and and uh, sharing. Um, uh, you'll be in my prayers. I know a lot of other people will pray for you as well. Uh, Father, let's go back to that concept, just kind of overarching, that she was asking where um, a law of the country, a law of the state, can contradict something that we might hold as a teaching of the church. Um, you know, Abortion, that's the the big one that's been in the news for the last number of weeks, most especially this just past week with the Supreme mm -hmm. Court ruling on Roe v. Wade. Um, with a lot of these, they're moral issues. You know, it's, it's not necessarily a political issue. When we look at uh, things like border security versus helping refugees or, you know, questions of legal immigration. Since it deals with people, it becomes a moral issue. Same thing with health care. You know, it's caring for people. Uh, so the question of what degree the government should be involved in this area, well, you know, that can be debated. But caring for people, again, it comes back to a moral issue. Um, and I've said this for years, you know, that here on Relevant Radio, what a lot of people might say, well, you're talking about political issues. No, we're, we're talking about moral issues that are being debated in the political arena. And I think that's why it's so important that we have, number one, a well-formed conscience. Mm -hmm. But then we also have a solid understanding of what the church teaches when it comes to these moral areas, these moral teachings. You know, an easy way of understanding this kind of what can the church talk about if human people are doing something, the church can talk about it. If human people are involved in any kind of activity whatsoever, God is interested. So there's no, there's no topic off the table. You cannot say that the church cannot talk about politics. Absolutely it does, because politics is behavior. It's what people are doing. 
And if human beings are doing something, God and the church has something to say about it. And and the motive is for happiness, because if you follow the way God and the church will uh, describe the behavior, that it will produce the greatest happiness for you. You know, um, this idea of religious freedom is so important that it's enshrined in our Constitution. And the government always has to have a carve-out or has to kind of allow for the free exercise of religion. It can pass a law. They can say that, you know, abortion is legal, but they have to provide a mechanism where a Catholic doctor can opt out because of the, uh, the First Amendment. Uh, and that First Amendment is very, very powerful. You know, uh, and fortunately, it's being upheld more and more these days. Uh, almost every religious freedom case that has come before the Supreme Court has been granted in favor of the, the free exercise of religion. So we're very grateful for that. And just as a quick aside, you know, talking about, you know, the early part of our country, you know, there were very few police forces. In fact, there was almost no police force in the colonies at the time that the U.S. was founded. And the founders of the country realized that unless they had a moral populace, unless people believed in right and wrong, out in the countryside where there's no police, where they would simply do the right thing even when no one was looking, they knew that there was no police forces, but there were plenty of churches. So they wanted that free exercise of religion. They wanted people to go to church to learn how to live a moral life because they needed the population of the country to, to live this moral way because there was, there was no way of enforcing it. So there's really a very practical reason for allowing free religious freedom because it ensures that people will, will treat each other well even when uh, there's no policeman around. So that's why the free exercise of religion is such an important thing. It's the First Amendment. And thank God, almost every single religious freedom case that's come before the court in the last several years has been granted, has been um, decided in favor of enshrining and ensuring our religious freedom. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you're saying that, I think there's this, we hear so often that phrase of separation of church and state, mm. and there's, you know, this kind of idea that's been wedged into our society that there needs to be, you know, one doesn't cross over to the other, not, not with the understanding that, as it's written in the Bill of Rights and that First Amendment, that government should not infringe upon religion, but also that religion should not infringe upon government, which is never stated anywhere, but that's kind of this concept that's come out in the last several decades. Um, but I think that also makes our culture maybe associate religious freedom solely with, well, it just means I can attend the church that I want to attend. Nobody can tell me I can't go to that church, but they don't realize that it is a higher calling, that, you know, that religious mm. freedom, uh, what it really means for us as individuals. Um, it might be good to talk about, just in our last couple of minutes here, also, for the 4th of July, you know, when we celebrate freedom, we connect it with gratitude for those who have gone before us, who have fought for our freedoms, as you were talking about the founding fathers of our country. Most of the time, you know, we think of veterans, uh, of those who have died in the battlefield or those who are currently serving in our armed forces. And in fact, right now, before the show does end, let me say, if you're listening, if you're a veteran, uh, or if you're actively serving in the military right now, thank you for your service. Thank you for um, what you do for our country. But uh, Father, 
since we've talked about you know personal and religious freedoms along with the freedoms we have here in the U.S. as citizens, how might we extend that gratitude beyond just simply uh, appreciating what servicemen and women have done into other areas this weekend? You know, as we attend mass, gratitude for our spiritual freedoms. All of the above. I think, you know, the wisest people are the people who know what they have. You know, we're often so focused on what we don't have. I don't have this car. I don't have this house. I don't have this job. But to focus on what you do have, we have, you know, the you know the, the activity of all these servicemen throughout the years who have, you know, paid the ultimate price for our freedom. I think a beautiful place to begin is your own birth. Just be reflecting on your own birth that you did not cause yourself to be born but you simply discovered yourself at some point already alive. Clearly, someone else was in charge of your life. And so to kind of begin with that basic understanding of someone else is in charge of my life, you know, God is above, I didn't cause myself to be born, and yet I am here, so I have this life, and what am I going to do with it? Am I going to let the refrigerator be the master of my life? Am I going to let, you know, other people push my buttons all the time? Or am I going to take the life that I have and use it for some good? Am I going to take my body and my blood and offer it for the good of other people? That's a, that's a way that we can kind of ultimately be grateful for the life that we have and, and following the path of Jesus to find that sense of deep and lasting happiness that he absolutely wants for every single person on, on planet Earth and especially in this country. Uh, Father, as we're getting close to the end of the hour here, we've only mm. got about a minute and a half left, but I, I thought just as we do uh, close out, it might be nice to have a little extra time. Most of the time we only have maybe 20, 30 seconds for a final blessing. I wanted to give you a little extra time here as we conclude. Could I ask you to offer that blessing, but also that you can pray for those who have served our country in the past and that we do, uh, that we do embrace our freedoms in all areas that we have as Christians, as Catholics, and as citizens here in our country. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the freedom that you grant us at the moment that we are conceived and that hopefully we will activate all of our life that we may love fully. We pray for those around the world who are persecuted, who don't have the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. We, we ask that you bless all those who have especially given in a very special way our servicemen and the, uh, to make our country free and safe, our policemen, uh, all those in, in, uh, in our communities that provide beautiful services for us, all of our churches that they remain free in uh, bastions of uh, a place where we experience God's love. We ask this blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Dave, always great to talk with you. Thanks for being with us for the hour. Uh, want to also say thank you to Nick Santovich and Thomas Engesser helping to produce the program today. And thank you for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful uh, 4th of July weekend coming up here. And look forward to being back with you next week. Of course, stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next here on Relevant Radio. That's followed by The Faith Explained. And, of course, find the podcast of this program and all of our shows from this week. We had some great conversations. Uh, you can find that at our website, RelevantRadio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. Have a blessed afternoon, and uh, happy 4th of July. <laughs>